want to go to there. Snipe! Hi, for those of you who just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person. Are we having fun yet? <laughs> yes, yes. 30 Helens agree. Never mind. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. It's a cunning plan, actually. Would you believe it? And you beautiful tropical fish. Don't mention the war. Clear eyes, still hearts keep Hello and welcome to the Televerse, Sound on Sites TV podcast. This is Kate Kalzik and I'm joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going? Uh, well, it's our last regular podcast of the year. Yeah, this, uh, it's, it, it, I would say um, it's it's a little sad, except that I'm so exhausted right now that, <laughs> you know. You're exhausted now? Think about January. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So, so premiere dates have started coming up. I got um, some screeners uh, for Archer, and uh, which is you. starting at the beginning of uh, of January. And then I saw ads for Always Sunny, which comes back at the beginning of January. And of course, Gallivant starts at the beginning of January. And uh, Agent, uh, Agent Carter, Agent Carter starts at the beginning of January, and Justified. Uh. And All the FX stuff is back in January. Yeah, the Americans as well. Um, what else? By the way, can I just say, I just watched the, I maybe shouldn't have, but I watched the promo for the Americans yesterday, and that thing looks bananas. <laughs> I have uh, managed to not see just about anything for any of those shows other than actual material. So, like, I've seen, I've seen the Gallivant pilot, but I haven't watched extended trailers beyond right. that. I have heard that American screeners are going out before Christmas, so if you there's a decent chance you'll get those, and I hate you. <laughs> I did do very excited happy fingers there for our listeners at home, um, but but yeah, so there's we, that's that's why we're doing the end of year podcast um, podcast a little earlier this year, so we won't sadness and tears. We won't get to do a episode uh, next week to do the last. Uh, episode of Korra for the for the season, or um, or actually maybe there's two more of Korra, and we won't get to do one on uh, the finale of uh, the, the affair. affair. And uh, there are a few others, but for the most part, everything like like Ascension, for example, which started this uh, the other day. But by the time we, we finish this, it won't have finished, so we we won't get a chance to talk about that. Um, but on the whole, January's gonna be so crazy that we just knew we needed to get ahead. So. That's what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly all the stuff we've just named is like the tip of the iceberg. That's the stuff that we're excited about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a whole lot of other stuff. There's we're... so much more. Yeah. Um, so so much. Yeah. So this week at the end of the podcast, uh we have a new hopefully recurring segment that we're we're trotting out. I hope you guys will let us know what you think of it. It's the the holiday omnibus. And so we invited a friend of the show to Pines and Gupta come back on from Sound on Sight, of course, to uh, help us talk about some some holiday episodes. So we each picked an episode, uh, a holiday themed episode of a TV show to make the others watch and then uh and then talked about that. So that's that's coming and uh do we, should should I say what the episodes are? Uh, sure. And, and we, we should say this is specifically, I assume that if we do this segment later, it could be whatever the holiday, if we do Thanksgiving episodes, 
We could do... Well, or uh, we could even just do, like, Hanukkah episodes. And... Or Hanukkah episodes or whatever the associated holiday is. But th- in this this case, See, it happened. An appearance from Kwanzabat, you know? Right. It happened to be Christmas this time. Yes. And so so Depayan chose Chuck versus Santa Claus from uh, season two of Chuck. I chose A Very Supernatural Christmas from season three of Supernatural. And you chose The Best Christmas Ever from Moral Oral. Which is the yes. season one finale, right, of Moral Oral? Yeah. Uh, I just mostly wanted an excuse to talk about Moral Oral, really. Which, I'm that's I'm done with that. It was, so it was a lot of fun, and that'll be coming at the end of the podcast. Um, we spoke with you guys a bit as well this week on the, fa- on the Sound On Site. On the website, we heard from Augustine, who says, who answered for us, you guys spot lit of shame the following, not stalker. So thank you for August. Uh, thank you, Augustine, because that was bothering me. Um, he says, I really enjoyed your rants on the newsroom. Well done. It's funny that this was only a few episodes ago that the show received rave reviews, and now it's getting the exact opposite. This has to be the biggest turnaround in TV history. It's a pretty significant one. I mean... The thing is, I think it would be more significant if we hadn't seen the show be terrible before. Mm-hmm. That's true. Like, it, I, I'm trying to think of a show go, going from zero to 60, great to terrible, with no precedent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not really coming to me, but I'll think about it. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, you guys can let us know what comes to mind for you as well. Um, and we're going to steer clear of some of the current events, but there's been some things coming out from the the... Very illegal and morally reprehensible email leaks <laughs> about Sorkin that have just sort of made things come into focus a bit. Um, I, I haven't even read those things, so I I'm, oh. I'm, I won't be doing any Googling of these terrible things that shouldn't be in public because it's a terrible ethical lapse. Yes. And the internet yes. is bad. Yes. Um, yes. So we're going to steer clear of that, but that enjoy, Simon. Um, Augustine also says, uh, also, I've been enjoying Jane the Virgin a whole lot. Thank you both. I would never have given the show a shot without your reviews. Woohoo! Boosh! Uh, I do have one request for the show. I would like to see America Ferreira guest star in some way. Seeing her interact with Gina Rodriguez, I think, would be something special. I just want to see America Ferreira in general because I always like her. I was just thinking, like, is she just doing stage now, or what's what's up with her? Just randomly appearing on The Good Wife when you know when when we need some some good Eli material. I guess I don't know, but uh, I would be up for that. Um, Fiction isn't real. Says I recall someone recruited some hoppers and clockers to watch The Wire because, of course, last week we talked The Wire with Dennis Perkins. Um, and give commentary on it. They said its biggest deviation from reality is women in ghetto neighborhoods where large chunks of the male population are imprisoned or dead. That leaves women's that leaves women to run things. So I thought that was an interesting comment. Thank you. Fiction isn't real. Yeah, I remember those columns and columns like it where uh, they were getting criminals and ex-criminals to talk about what was or was not realistic on the wire. And I, I would I'd like to actually track those down because I remember them being quite enlightening. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, at Twitter, I heard from Colin. Uh, we had we had a very civil discussion of the newsroom. So thank you, Colin, for that um, and uh, the episode. And kind of back and forth about what was said and what wasn't. And uh, always glad to be able to have those kind of discussions with you guys. Uh, Carl, my book on poetry, says, "Have you gotten to review uh, to preview Gallivant yet?" Oh, Carl, I have the first six episodes of screeners. <laughs> But out of dedication to the podcast 
and, you know, being a mature, responsible adult, I haven't watched them yet so that I could watch The Affair and The Newsroom to talk about it today. <laughs> uh, just, 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 so I'm, just, just so I can get a little preview, is The Affair Review going to be as funny as I think it is? Um, I don't know. I was very, very tired when I watched it, so I might have to rely on you for that. It's been a long week. Yes, uh, I gathered. And I still haven't started my holiday shopping. So, yeah. Uh, so it's going to be a long week yeah, again next week. But, um, yeah, I think probably. But okay, we'll, we'll talk checking. about it. We'll talk about it. Was it was a bit of a shit show this week. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Damien says, have you seen the Danish The Killing? Sarah Lund is one of my favorite TV characters ever, a step above the U.S. version. And no, I have not. But, Simon, have you seen the Danish ki The Killing? No, and my goal for next year is to see more uh, more foreign language TV and more European TV in general, because I swear to God, like, all year, I kept hearing, oh, this British thing is amazing, about 22 times, mm -hmm. about 22 different series, and probably only half the time it was true, or a quarter of the time, but I still don't like to miss out on things. Yeah, and, and we do tend to get recommendations about british shows but we don't tend to get recommendations about shows from other countries uh regardless of of quality so it you, that requires a little bit more effort to to hunt them out and you know look up uh what aren't you watching that you should be watching kind of articles so uh yeah that's a good that's a great uh recommendation for next year would you like to hear mine my goal for next year yeah watch more 10 minute shows and watch more animation so basically i need to watch bee and puppy cat yeah actually that's like a six minute show <laughs> it's like a six minute show yeah yeah but but i'm such a proponent of short form storytelling and i enjoy so many of the adult swim kind of short form ones um as well as animation and then i was reflecting on the shows i watched this year and i was like oh kolzik you see you're like the person who's like oh this band is so great i have their greatest hits album so I need to, you know, get outside the mainstream with some of my 10-minute and animation picks. So throw, throw some uh, throw some high maintenance in there while you're at it. Yeah, yeah, that's an excellent. But yeah, basically it was this this year I watched Archer, Bob's Burgers, a Adventure Time, and Gravity Falls and Korra. Those are and the, over the garden wall. And over the garden wall. It's a different thing. That's true. Um, but that that's it for animation and short form. It was basically just Adventure Time and, you know, when when it happened there was a. Uh, uh, children's hospital or like those kinds of things but that's about right it. news readers yeah which reminds me actually um what's another thing that's happening in january venture brothers uh yes we are we are getting a venture brothers special in january which i assume means we're getting a season hopefully in summer i actually i saw an interview with them from october of 2012 where they were teasing this special <laughs> well uh we'll certainly be looking forward to that we're big fans of venture brothers here at the televerse but uh but yeah, January is going to be crazy. Um, but for now, let's wrap up our, our last regular podcast of the year. Uh, or I should say let's kick off our last regular podcast of the year with the comedies and the genre. So we'll be right back after this. Heart had the bells, sweet silver bells. All seem to say, throw cares away. Christmas is here, bringing good cheer. Too young and old, meek and the bold. Merry, 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 merry,
week in genre and comedy, I'm going to do a Kate's uh, genre roundup pretty quickly here at the top with The Flash, Arrow, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Legend of Korra. And then we're going to talk some comedy, Blackish, Black Santa, White Christmas, Bob's Burgers, Tina Taylor, Soldier Spy, which I think is in contention for one of my favorite titles of the year. Um, and then Jane the Virgin, Chapter 9. Let's go to genre. Uh, the Flash had the man in the yellow suit. Arrow had the climb. And S.H.I.E.L.D. had the things we bury. They all had very eventful midseason finales. I really like what The Flash did with Iris and um, and having Barry uh, tell her about his feelings for her and how he's basically always been in love with her, but he understands that she's with someone else. Like I thought they handled that scene very well. They've really improved Iris quite a bit and very gradually from being very much the um, the typical sort of Laurel Lance problematic love interest, vague love interest character for the, that, you know, is something that Arrow certainly struggled with in its first season or two and that uh, The Flash was struggling with initially. But uh, I think it's actually a really charming and warm performance from from the actress, and that's really helping. Um, and, and having, again, having Barry just be a good guy as much as he can... Um, it, it makes a big difference in a scene like this. And so I, I like that they are maintaining that part of the character while finally getting rid of the whole unrequited love thing. Cause at least now she knows about it and we can move forward. Um, they progress reverse flash or they introduce reverse flash and progressed, um, dot the, uh, I'm sorry, Tom Cavanaugh wheelchair guy. I can't remember the character's name. Um, in, in a, uh, somewhat disappointingly straightforward, but, still nonetheless interesting kind of way. Um, and, uh, I'm hoping to be a little surprised by that when we get more answers with the, the climb arrow, uh, nice Ra's al Ghul stuff. They hit the fast forward button a bit, um, jarringly with who killed, um, Sarah, but I like their answer. And, uh, the one thing I got to say though, is how do you let your sister, how do you leave your sister to probably go get killed by Ra's al Ghul and not tell her, by the way, here's video of you killing someone your father is brainwashing you to do stuff like kill people without remembering it. I don't know how you don't do that, but you know, whatever. Uh, Otherwise it was a really fun episode of arrow Um, and shield things. We bury finally made sky a superhero and activated her. Um, Apparently she's quake, which is someone from the comics. I don't know the comics. um, So I can't really speak to that. I will say it was a pretty strong episode. I was bummed that they killed because I liked him, but uh, if they're going to, you know, up the stakes, that would be nice. It'd be nice if they, you know, actually had some some larger stakes for somebody who wasn't uh, Fitz. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. I don't seem to be, I'm not as in love with Sky as everybody else seems to be um, at this point, though I do think the performance has grown tremendously. But uh, it was a solid mid-season finale, and we'll see what happens next. Korra, Kavir's Gambit had some some good action and a very logical progression for that character. Um, so again, I'm enjoying Korra a bit more, even if I'm not blown away like, like I was hoping to be by the last run of this series. And that rounds up genre. So let's talk comedy. And by let's talk, I mean, Simon, please talk comedy. Uh, Blackish, Black Santa, <laughs> White Christmas. What did you think? Uh, I'm always happy to check in on Blackish. It's had a really, really consistent first season so far. Every time I check in with it, uh, it's always a nice. I, I, I tend to, to not think about it when it's on, but whenever it is, uh, it, it always provides a nice little bump. And it's always uh, sort of a, a, a trial by fire for any sitcom is the first Christmas episode, 
and it's I, I think it's a good indicator of of what a show can do. Obviously, a show like Bob's Burgers really embraced, uh, really embraces its uh, its Christmas, it's all of its holiday episodes as a chance to flex its muscles. And uh, I think Blackish uh, rose to the occasion. Um, I like that the notion, uh, you know, there, there's the, there's this whole idea of oh, a, a black Santa will be controversial, but that's sort of a red herring. And I think, and the show's smart to play it that way. I think if they had leaned in the other direction, it wouldn't have worked. And um, I don't, the the I don't know the, the the second instance of the auto-tuned Christmas song may have been a bit much, but other than that, I thought it was charming and funny and and really smartly written. Yeah, I really enjoyed everything with the with the mother-in-law, um, particularly the, the cooking. As someone who cooks Thanksgiving, most of Thanksgiving, um, and Christmas dinner. Uh, for the family, uh, I identify with certain parts of that, um, and so that, that that I thought they did a good job with it. I liked the little tag with um, uh, Bo and Andre uh, about the boxes and the search browser. Those were that was pretty great. Um, the auto tune, like you say, was cute the first time. Um, I'm just not a fan of auto tune, so. You know, there's that, but it, but I think the 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 warmth and the personality of the kids made it work, especially. Yeah. And I like that better than they can magically all sing, um, which was nice. So, uh, but no, it was a fun episode, and I've had I've really enjoyed uh, my time with Blackish this year. Yeah, I definitely prefer honest auto tune to hidden auto tune. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, you're not fooling anyone. Auto tune. So, uh, yeah, at least they go full bore with it. And those um, those elf outfits or whatever were adorable, super yes. cute. So there was that as well. Um, let's move on to Bob's Burgers, which didn't do a holiday episode this week. What? Um, it's a bit odd that it, they did their Christmas episode last week and then they had this one, but whatever. This was Tina Taylor soldier spy and Tina had to be a mole in her former, uh, Thunder Girls troop to find out who was selling cookie information to the, to the enemy. And I loved this. Uh, yeah, it was great. It's, it's always nice to see. Um, uh, it's, I like, I like it when Bob's does a, um, a topical parody or like sort of a style parody, but doesn't go all the way in on it. Like, I think this is a good way forward. This is like a good case study for, for sitcoms or shows that, that lean towards parody or do pop culture referencing. It's like, this is how you do like, Oh, it's a spy episode or a, um, an, uh, what am I looking for here? A subterfuge, uh, mole finding episode, but it's not like, it doesn't ape the exact structure of any one idea it just takes the tropes mm-hmm. and and sort of brings them to this very very low stakes environment and gets the laughs that way like that's that's how it's done people mm-hmm. definitely and uh, having louise fit in much better with troop 257 uh worked nicely for me uh, as well as that very touching little just throwaway moment at the end with the bracelet. I thought that was uh, that was great too. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun with Tina Taylor, Soldier Spy. Oh, and I, I loved all the gags with Lusty Blonde Louise. Oh my god, yeah, uh, well, that was pretty great too. Now let's move on to our last comedy of the week, Jane the Virgin, Chapter Nine, mid season finale <gasps> drama. See, drama. Now, I would be more concerned if I thought there was any chance that anything lasting would be wrong with Abuela. I'm no. trusting they're not going to do anything um, besides maybe some minor amnesia for for Abuela here. So 
Um, yeah. So instead, I can focus on called it for Petra's mom. Yes, you did. And I and it's funny because in the midway point when we saw that she got into a car accident, I thought it's like, oh, I guess that means the wheelchair is legit. And then, yeah, you were right. <laughs> you were right. Uh, I actually I called something in a different show this week, but I called it to myself. Uh huh. And I didn't call it on the podcast, so it didn't count. It still and now counts. I feel dumb. Uh, but we'll get we'll get to that later. But yeah, I mean, it was another solid Jane the Virgin. Um, I'm not sure how I felt about Jane getting involved in the let's destroy Petra games. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know that, yes, she, she's not a saint, but it still felt icky to see her involved in that. And I, although I did like I, I, I want to get to the point where we uh, full on empathize with Petra. And they almost did that this week, but we didn't quite get there. And I just I'm, I'm anxious to get there. Yeah. Well, and if we have just even a little bit more insight into her state of mind from the Latin Love uh, narrator, that would have helped, I think, there. But uh, without that that element to, to tie into, I think you just have to assume that she is screwing with them legally to, you know, she's endangering their child uh, for her financial gain. And uh, that is completely villainous so yeah it's hard to really have too much shading in the present day with that so uh, i did like the flashbacks i think they do a good job of de-aging her just basically through her hair i thought that actually worked surprisingly well i like the mm-hmm. timeline gag that was nice um i like i mean it makes sense how distracted michael is about Raphael. I, it would be nice if he'd be just slightly more clear about about it you know have a clearer eye and say hey maybe it's petra maybe it's his Raphael's father like key into it's somebody in the inner circle but it's gonna get old if he just keeps doing because especially because we know stuff that he that michael doesn't but it's gonna get old if he just keeps keying into the same you know line uh did, how'd you like him bringing back his brother for this episode uh, I honestly had completely forgotten about the brother. Uh, maybe it's just because there's so many characters on the show, but it's, he never struck me as being particularly memorable. Uh, I'm wondering how many episodes is it before you meet Anthony? Because why would you name an ex unless they were going to show up? Well, I you know, I really liked that they did, though, because that, that felt very real to me. Um, and having it just be, you know, so I, when they did, I, that struck me as well. Uh, but But I liked that they... I liked that they did that, even if we don't meet Anthony, to have that be like one of her exes, those exes that uh, that stuck with, you know, that la- that made more of an impression on Jane. That really, you know, and I like the way that Jane turns around Zoe's thing on herself. So like, yeah, but you're also using me as an excuse. I thought that that worked really well. And just again, that's that's the realism to the show that that lets me buy the uh, make out revealing bed uh a bath lift you know right can we talk about the the printer with eyes because like it was first of all it was creepy i'm sorry that was, it was creepy. creepy yeah uh okay i'm glad we agree that it's creepy and not cute and it's supposed to be cute so that they did that wrong um but also the fact that the printer with eyes comes back when she's 23 no. i like that though because for me, what that means is that 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 just highlights their socioeconomic status that they are still pushing through the same printer for when she was a girl because they don't have the cash okay, to buy yeah. a new printer yeah that part makes sense it's just can we not have that like you know sort of like disney cartoon element showing up when she's 23 
Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I hear. You, I hear you there. Um, but yeah, I did like it was the same printer. I liked when the the keys are like typing for themselves. That was a really nice. Uh, yeah. Visual thing as well, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was a fun episode, and I am gonna miss it while it's gone. For like three weeks. Yeah, all three weeks until it comes back in January, with everything yes. else. And and by the way, now that uh, Dina Rodriguez is a Golden Globe nominee, which props Golden Globes. Um, that's the only time you're ever going to hear me say those three words in that order. Uh, I think it's a pretty safe bet for renewal. Yeah, um, I would hope so. It's the first time the CW has ever been nominated for anything in any category. By anyone. By anyone. By any awards body on the planet. So I think, Other than maybe the Teen Choice Awards. I think they're going to... I would like to say that they'll enjoy being able to say, Golden Globe nominee, Jane the Virgin. <laughs> so, you know... <laughs> it's something new they've never had that uh so yes fingers crossed but the ratings yeah. are terrible for this show yeah we'll uh, see i mean it also kind of retrospectively makes me feel bad for everyone who's ever been good on the cw because there have been many of them there have been many excellent performers and really strong shows on the cw that's never nothing nothing ever yeah well they're not the sort of performances that tend to get awards recognition it's 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 the same thing with uh with with movies you know you could have the greatest lead performance usually female in a horror film mm -hmm. never ever ever gonna get never an getting nomination. any love yeah and those true. are often the most difficult uh the most physically taxing and emotionally taxing performances yep <sighs> it's absolutely anyway. the case. that's why we have our end of year wrap up with all of our ridiculous number of categories because we'll give them some love but for yes. now uh what wins your week in comedy simon uh, <laughs> uh who does the jane the virgin award go to yeah it goes to jane the virgin yeah and for myself as well for genre i'll give it to the flash um though i did enjoy uh, arrow this week as well um and now we'll take a break and come back with our week in drama Thank you. I've got to find her and tell her that I love her so. I'll never rest till I find out why she had to go. <laughs> Thank you for your precious time. Please forgive me if I start to cry. That's how I got to Memphis. This week in drama, we're going to talk briefly about The Affair, Nine, the penultimate episode, and then we'll talk about the newsroom finale, what kind of day has it been, and the Kingdom season one finale, King Beast. So first up is The Affair. Simon, I, I, for me, this was just another, pretty much another episode. I, I, I liked parts of it. Um, I certainly liked Ruth Wilson's performance, um, but uh, it sounds to me like from what we were saying earlier that you've got more to say. So what did you think of, of this episode? I no longer know what the point of this show's uh, frame, like framing device, uh, frame, you want to point call of, it a framing device, structural device. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I no longer, I no longer understand what the point of that is really. Uh, I understood it or I thought I understood it for the first few episodes uh kind of understood it in the middle patch and now that we get to this section where um we get two different perspectives um of someone finding someone rather randomly finding a used pregnancy test in a trash bin uh 
without the without the other person's apparent knowledge of finding mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, what is the purpose of of doing that? Uh, it just it it makes the it, if you have it happen in one of those in, in one of those people's uh, scenes, it's uh it's annoying and it's an it's an overused trope. But I'll live with it. If you have it in both. It's beyond absurd. Well, and for me, the larger issue is when it's flashbacks and they're remembering what happened, I'm way more willing to go with the differing stories. When it's right. the present and it's like one person remembers going to look at an apartment uh, and one person, that just didn't happen. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's it's gotten to the point where like, are these people? Are we gonna find out next week that this is actually a sci-fi series and they're occupying different universes? Because that would be cool as shit. Yeah. But that's not what's gonna happen. Um, lots of stuff. I mean, there's a the acting in the in this show in general is tremendous, and um, people get some really great stuff to do. I mean, Maura Tierney is really great mm-hmm. uh, in that scene. It's no, it's not a great scene in terms of it's we've seen it before. It's 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 an unfortunately familiar beat, uh, which you know la- just last week we were talking about getting stuff that we liked that wasn't so familiar, and now we're sort of back to familiar territory, which is annoying. Uh, but she sells the hell out of it, and you're right there with her, and mm-hmm. and it's an absolutely uh, valid moment. But then like other scenes, I just I I, I felt bad for the performers, like Mayor Winningham in the scene where. She, uh, <laughs> she's manipulating the, uh, yeah, she, she, yeah, she, you, know, you, you found out she's been, uh, her, she's been refi- re- recklessly refinancing. And then they have her go from being found to being like, you wrong kid died <laughs> to going full wrong kid died was like, oh my, like that was just, they, that was just way too much, way too much. Well, and, uh, I mean, I guess it ties in with the thing with the bath earlier where she's trying to like mess things up to delay the sale and everything that it's not like it came out of nowhere completely, but if she's been refinancing to, to keep the place afloat, why are they selling Coke? Oh (laughs) yeah, that's, that's a good question. Or are they just bad at selling Coke? So they don't sell that much of it so that they don't make that much money. I'm under the impression Coke kind of sells itself. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I didn't have so much. I didn't have issues with that stuff as much as I had with with uh, with the character just going full on, like I just going full on like wrong kid died. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just that was a bit much. Um, I mean, I did like Jeffrey Demun. That was a nice. Uh, that nice was a nice. Cameo. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was really good. Really good casting for that character. But I don't know. There was just so much in this episode. Like there was. It feels like we've had this really measured, almost to the point of frustration pace happening, and then this week, everything happens all at once. There's like a seven-minute sequence where, um, you know, uh, I I think it's in the first half, when Allison's life all falls apart, and then she starts cutting herself again. But she cuts herself way too deep, and it seems like her whole leg splits open. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude, slow down. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, what, how does know. how does this relate to True Detective for you? Because it feels like a very similar thing to me, where True Detective started out with the very similar structure or or device of the interrogation, uh, and then over the course of the season, like, oh, okay, we can't really keep doing this. We had to change it up, and 
then abandoned that, which that was one of the more interesting things about the show. Um, how, how does that, uh, how, how does that compare for you here? Uh, I mean, true detective, at least uh, true detective. It, it never betrayed like the interrogation setup uh, was consistent all the way through. Um, and the, and the cops themselves were really interesting characters to watch. Uh, and then when it ended and then moved on, it felt like it was just, it was part of the design. Like that's, that's what they felt like doing. It was structurally sound. That's fine here. I'm, I'm not sure that there was, it never really gave me the impression that, uh, there was a strong theoretical backbone to why they did it. Um, and I, and thinking back to, um, another series made by the same, uh, some of the same people in treatment, um, that was a show that doggedly struck to a very specific structure and a very specific set of limitations with only very rare lapses. And it was very clear why. And the show is able to milk that for maximum effectiveness, mostly in the first season. Um, and here it just felt, it feels like a very wishy-washy take on the same idea where it's like, yeah, we're going to divide it into halves and it's going to be from perspectives, but you're not going to know if it's. Yeah, like you said, flashbacks, or are we just seeing what happened, or why are there these huge differences? There's no real uh, metaphorical weight to any of this that I can, or or like any sort of thematic ideas coming from these differences. They're just differences for the sake of difference. Yeah, yep. I do not disagree. I, that being said, I will be interested to, to watch the finale and see if they can pull off something that is satisfying. Um, right now, I'm kind of doubtful, but we'll see. Um but let's let's talking about satisfying finales. Shall we move on to the newsroom? What kind of day has it been? In in just one moment, last thing I wanted to add was I totally called Whitney being pregnant last week. Oh yeah, and because you know they, they were vomiting, they they got they skipped right to believe me. I was like, no, no, dude, she's pregnant. But I didn't say it on the podcast, so oh. I didn't get I didn't get called at points. I think you get I, I I you get called at points, and you also get called at points for something on Kingdom. Um, as I recall. So we'll, we'll get to that. But first, let's let's go to the newsroom. What kind of day has it been? This is now the fourth of four Sorkin finales, series finales, to, to be what kind of day has it been titled that. Yes. Uh, so how does this rank for you with the others? Uh, well, as I, as, if I recall correctly, some most of the others were first season finales, not series finales, but wrong. I could yes. be wrong. Uh, anyway, this... The newsroom is, is like... You know, when people talk about how offensive it gets, most of the time, the newsroom is not really offensive. It's just like this, when it's, how can I explain this? The newsroom is like an embarrassing uncle that when he drinks too much, he starts getting into some really questionable territory, but most of the time, he's just kind of embarrassing. Uh, and that's what this finale was to me. Uh, there, there were some individually strong scenes, but... The, the the whole vibe of the episode is so cornball that I can't imagine anyone taking serious offense. Yeah, it you know I think it relies on us being far more connected to Charlie than, especially by the end that I was. I'm very connected to Sam Waterston, so I liked having him back so strongly in this episode. But I didn't really care that Charlie was dead, or you know like especially when they have Sloan talking about how much Charlie means to her. And we don't get a single Sloan and Charlie moment in the episode. That really doesn't strike me as yeah. And same thing with Don too. The only Charlie scenes we get are with Mac and with Will. Um, 
Yeah, and especially going back to the like, don't remind me about the 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 instigating event, you know, with <laughs> with the the journalism student. Um, once again, highlight for me continues to be Don and Sloan. I'm glad to wash the bad taste of last week out of my mouth with in regards to Don. Um, don't care about Maggie. Don't care about Jim. I enjoyed Sloan in the Maggie Jim scene, just being like, "You guys are idiots." Um, but that's about it. Uh, and shall we talk about our, our free love on the freeway? Uh, oh my God. Moment. That, the garage sequence. <laughs> oh my God. Oh Jesus. And like, I actually, I'm, I'm, I, I, I frequent this message board where people talk about TV a lot. And I, I, I swear to God, I read some guy say that that was like one of that, that was his most like charming sequence of any TV show he's seen this year. And the fact that anyone thinks that makes me despair. Yeah. It's just like, Will McAvoy is not cool. It doesn't matter how like affable he tries to be or like my real, uh, get, uh, I'm a journalist on the side. I'm really a guitar man. It's like, that's you're you're not cool. You're, you're really, really, <laughs> you need to put that down and walk away. Um, and the most annoying scene for me wasn't actually that one. It was when, when Jim is in his apartment alone and has the how to play a G major scale or whatever on his laptop inexplicably. Why is that there? Why is well, that open? Also, it's got like, here's how to play two notes on the G scale. And then he does this like, like really, he does this like way more sophisticated lick than that. It's like, okay. It's like so so he knows how to play the guitar but has opened up a how to play the guitar website that is annoying and uh poorly constructed uh, <laughs> and there's no one else there. Why would he ever have done that? He's done that so that we can go, "Oh, look, he was learning how to play the guitar. He's so sad. Oh, look, he already knows how. He's awesome." But it doesn't yeah, there's way too much of a correlation with, "Oh, they they can play the guitar. They must be cool dudes." Yeah. Can I just say that this all feels like a a harbinger of the stuff we're going to get next year with uh we're getting a whole spate of rock and roll TV shows that all seem like a bad idea, but I'm going to put that aside for now in case any of them ends up being good. Um so you know, I'm just saying the 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 trend of white and boring may not be over. But you know what is over? The newsroom. Yay! What will you remember about the newsroom, Simon? Uh, well, I I wanted to say specifically in this episode, we when we get flashbacks, is this does this episode set a new bar? By the way, for most of a series finale taken up with flashbacks, I don't know. It depends on if you count Lost and the sideways flashes. I don't. You don't. Okay. I they, mean specifically flashbacks to the beginning of the series. I don't know. I would have to ponder that one because I know that is a very popular device. Because uh, it, it just it did feel like it was about seventy five percent of the episode, but uh, anyway, the when we get shots uh, that I don't remember from the beginning of the sh of the show, but like we get Sloane's perspective on some of the events from the beginning of the show, and it just makes you realize, wow, what a different and better show this would have been if she was our point of entry character. Oh my god, so much better, definitely. Though I kind of feel like Sorkin would have botched it, so we wouldn't have even gotten to enjoy Olivia Munn in the role. So there's that. Who who are you going to most take away from this? Who who are you most happy to see freed to do other work? Uh, I want to say John Gallagher Jr., but um, ever since someone else said this, it's kind of true. I feel as though 
he's gonna have to be really great on other stuff for me just to be not just for me to not be like fuck it's jim yeah like it's 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 really and it's not fair to john gallagher jr it's just lines he's reading but it's still true definitely for me yes a hundred percent and same thing with allison pill and maggie it's gonna have to be a very different kind of role for me to start fresh with her um the one I was surprised by in this episode going, yeah, how come he's not getting more to do? Um, and I hope he gets a new show soon is Deb Patel. Uh, cause he gets one scene in this episode and it's incredibly condescending. Um, and, uh, and just also it's like, this is your, they gave him this big hero moment. Um, and they couldn't have anything else for him to do. They didn't have him say hi to anybody or, yeah. you know, thanks for helping me work out a deal so I could come back to my home country and not have to live in Argentina for the rest of my life. You know, details. Uh, yeah, there was so much that was weird about him, him coming back and not interacting with anyone. But hey, at least he got to be the condescending one for once. That is true. <laughs> As opposed to being condescended too. But you're right, Dev Patel should have gotten way more to do on this show. He's he's a very, very charismatic presence. Um, as far as Alison Pill goes, uh, I recommend as a tonic, uh, go watch either Snowpiercer or uh, Scott Pilgrim. I have seen Scott Pilgrim. I have not seen Snowpiercer, so I will have to see about adding that to the holiday movie watching rotation. I uh, oh hell, <laughs> just be it gets it gets. Yeah, a I, dark, I know they so. they eat babies. I I know. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> but um, yeah, the I I I I mean the the finale almost could have been saved if Kim Pine had showed up and kicked Maggie's ass. <laughs> But uh, I'm, I'm just like the, I don't even know who, what you're referencing, but just anyone showing up and kicking Maggie's ass would have been happy, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, but yeah. So so uh, shall do you have anything else to say about the newsroom, or shall we move on to the kingdom finale? Uh, only to add that I mean, my ideal finale would have been a spree shooting at the ACN office, but this was definitely preferable to what we got last week. R.I.P. the kingdom. Sorry, <laughs> R.I.P. the newsroom. R.I.P. Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, let's uh, move right on to a show we enjoyed a lot more than The Newsroom this year, and that's Kingdom, season one uh, finale, King Beast. Uh, what did you think? Did it did it build in a strong way here? Uh, I mean, it wasn't a perfect finale. There was definitely some stuff that I could have done without, but uh, I thought it was good. It, I mean, the thing with Kingdom is that it's do it's getting a lot of things right that a lot of other shows get wrong, which kind of makes it too bad that way more people are watching the shows that get things wrong. Um, but I, I, I mean, it's already renewed for two more seasons or 20 more episodes. I, I suppose they could do a 20 episode season if they wanted, but please don't do that. Um, it makes me think of FX's lights out, which was the, the last sort of fighter drama that I can think of seeing. And I think it fixes some of that show's mistakes. And uh, I think the light touch that it really developed over the second half, especially uh is a huge part of that if you're gonna do a show about intense guys doing intense things for intense reasons the one really great thing you can do to lighten that up is uh make it really really funny some of the time and that's 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 my major takeaway from this show major takeaway um the, more shows need to be more funny about more things because that will let you get away with being heavy when you need to be heavy. It'll it'll let me accept that things are going to get dark sometimes for an entire episode 
and it's going to make it not as suffocating or even just tiresome sometimes. And I think uh, even in this episode where things do indeed get very heavy, um, you get a good dose of that lightness to balance it out. And uh, I, I have to say, what, what when we when it was clear that we were going to get both fights in this episode um, and that, that, they were, that they were happening at the same event, I started trying to work out, okay, are they both going to lose? Are they both going to win? Um, and then I didn't care about any of that, as it turned out, because watching Jay win that fight in about seven seconds flat was one of the most joyous moments uh, of the entire season. Yeah, it was such a delightful anticlimax. It was awesome. I was I, like, I went back and, and rewound because I was like, wait a second, is that is it over? <laughs> wait, what did what did it like glitch? Did it jump forward? Yeah, I thought that was such a smart move and so entertaining. Uh, then I immediately was like, oh, you don't go tell your mom you're okay. Come on, come on. She's worried about you. She's in the back. Right. Uh, but but no, the the. Uh, yeah, that was a great, great call. It was so fun. And I mean, Jonathan Tucker has been in such a revelation um, for us on this show. And he's really great in this finale as well. So such an entertaining character. It's a bigger character. So it's maybe an easier um, character to latch onto. But uh, I think he's been really great. And we'll talk about, I'm sure, more about what Jay does in this episode. Uh, but for, as for the fights, I thought they both worked really well. I liked um, what we got with um, Ryan. I also really liked the post-fight talk we get with Ryan with where it's just like so sort of pedestrian and the kind of thing is like give 110% you know like yeah I that felt very much in keeping with the character and I mean I thought it really made sense I mean like if he loses that fight everything came down to the fact that he won he would have like lost his shit uh gotten into a, a at least a verbal if not a physical altercation with Alvy you know, like so much it would have got, but just because he won, he's like, I love you all, man. I love, I love everybody there. You're all the best. And, uh, and that just, it feels very right for the characters. Uh, so that I, that's a particular little touch that I enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing about kingdom is that what excites me about, about the show is its potential. Like it's, it's not, it's not, it's not there yet in terms of, you know, you watch the show and you see, all these great things it could it could do or could be doing. Uh, and you also see all the terrible, 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 terrible things it has managed to not do, which is which is actually more impressive. Um, and and I, it's the show that I, I'm most hoping will make the smart decisions uh, to required to sort of take it to that next level. For instance, uh, Keely Sanchez is great on this show, uh, but as as uh, I was talking to uh, SOS contributor uh, Whitney McIntosh on Twitter. Uh, it wouldn't kill you to maybe let her crack a smile next season. Maybe let her in on some of the fun that everyone else is having. Yeah, when she's not drunk. <laughs> that, and that's, yes. that's why that was one of the most entertaining scenes. And, of course, Whitney reviewed Kingdom Forest over at Sound On Sight. You can find her reviews over in the TV section there. Uh, but, yeah, that's – I mean, that's, she was so so fun. That, that scene earlier in the episode – in the uh, season, I should say, when, when she went to the bar with Jay and was just having a, a nice – relaxing evening you know out because we so rarely got to see her relax and actually trying to have fun um yeah i, I again that she was another discovery for me here she i think was a lot of a very strong presence in the season and when you only have a couple of female characters that are going to be through lines it's very important that they be uh compelling and uh very respectable i guess like characters that the audience respects and is interested in, um, as opposed to, you know, goody two shoes or whatever, but they, they need to be someone that we can, um, care about. 
Otherwise, yeah. the show needs to care about them or else we won't. And then it just turns into uh, so many of these other shows we've already seen only interested in the men in this world. Um, I think they've right. done a really good job with Nate over the past few episodes. I, I liked him here as well. Um, and I thought we got some good stuff with Alvy this week. Um, yeah, I thought it was a solid finale. I mean, there's some stuff that maybe doesn't work as well. But when you have Jay having a scene like... Um, with the the I can't remember the character's name, but the the guy they get their drugs from, about yes. he wants every drug there is, uh, and he will just put them all in his body, and then the later he wants to remember things that didn't happen. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then he's like he doesn't want to have the foursome because he doesn't want to cross this line with you. You know, I value our <laughs> friendship too much. Like there's there's some really uh, great stuff. Yes. Um... And but yeah, but but not not to not to only praise uh, Jonathan Tucker. I mean the the whole cast has been. Great. I think as an ensemble, they just have such a great dynamic, mm-hmm. and it's something they're they're they can rely on uh, next season as well. Another thing that I want other shows, I want I, I want showrunners and people who work on other series to be watching Kingdom as an example, because um, another thing that they do uh, really really well is, uh, and again this this could tip horribly into the wrong direction is. Uh, Everyone on Kingdom is a fuck up to one to one degree or another. Nobody totally has their shit together. It's kind of the theme of the show that no one has their shit together, uh, and by no one they mean anyone on the planet. But um, specifically on the show, like you're talking about some very messed up people with dark secrets and you know and bad habits, and that it's it's really difficult to maintain uh, audience interest in characters that continually mess up, and uh, I think the key to doing that or one of the keys to doing that a is you know make them likable characters well performed and b also make it clear that when they mess up um they have people who care about them who don't just get, who don't just get angry or give up on them right away and life goes on and i think if you can reinforce that you can you can go back to that well without making your audience angry yeah i, I absolutely agree and uh the the lack of judgment from the show towards its characters, but also the characters towards each other, I think is really uh, very interesting and very, very strong. It's very present. And I noticed that particularly with Nate, where it's, he obviously has a lot of issues to deal with, with being, you know, being closeted, it seems. Yeah, we could, he could be bisexual, but he's at least uh, somewhat interested in men and not being comfortable with that and not being able to deal with it. But, but, there's every sense that Jay would be completely supportive of him. Everyone would be. Yeah. And, and so I love that, that you, they're really, that's about him dealing with his relationship with himself. Uh, and I, I like that that is, you know, the, uh, th- that, that is such a strong sense of the show. Um, as opposed to that, you know, that, that makes it feel a little different than maybe what we've seen in the past where someone knows who they are, but, their family wouldn't accept them. I like that it's you know changes that that dynamic a little bit. Uh, do we want to talk about Christina at all? Uh, I mean the the ending scenes are um, somewhat amb- more ambiguous than I would expect. I took them to mean that uh, she actually went back and shot her pimp, but that's it's possible that they left that deliberately ambiguous so they could figure out in the writer's room what she did. <laughs> uh, I'm not totally ruling that out, but that's my preferred version of events. See, and that didn't even occur to me. Uh, and I felt stupid when I talked to you after we had both seen the episode, because to me it was like, oh, she's going to get another hit, um, but she doesn't want her sons to see her. 
do that. So um, I like your solution. I think it's way more interesting. Um, and that makes, because I was sort of down on that part of the episode. I was like, oh, really, guys? We're doing this. We're doing this. Uh, but that would be a much more intriguing option. So we'll have to wait till next season to find out. And I, I mean, the fact that we don't see what, I feel like if she'd just gotten high, we would have seen it. That's true. Maybe that's, maybe that's me, but uh, I don't know. I, I, mind you, again, it's entirely possible that they just didn't show us because they're like, ah, we're not sure. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Well, can we figure this out later? We can figure this out later. Uh, but like, like we've been saying, not necessarily a perfect show. It's not one that I'm you know, screaming from the rooftops about that everybody must see. But I, I'm very politely tapping people on the shoulder. And like, I yeah, feel like I'm that level of proselytizing. I mean, it has like, obviously the Jonathan Tucker factor is one thing, but beyond that, it's just, it's a show that is almost more interesting as a case study than as a show. Mm -hmm. It's like, again, like it's doing some, some, it's doing some notable things that I would like other shows to be doing. Yeah. And we're two people that don't actually have, I correct me if I'm wrong, any connection to MMA or really no. any interest in MMA? Oh, to the point where when I when you when you told me uh, repeatedly that the show was actually good, uh, I was like, yeah, MMA, meh. Like, <laughs> I, it was kind of the dramatic equivalent of Jane the Virgin, like, uh, don't care, meh. But and and all, but like, I think it's worth noting that we've gotten way more entertainment value out of this show than so many other shows this season that have been way more hyped. Yep. That is very true. And we'll talk about that in two weeks on our end of year omnibus uh, and end of year uh, blowout. But for now, what wins your week in drama? I'm going to give it to the kingdom. Yeah, I'm giving it to Kingdom as well. A few show notes here. You can find a post-up for this episode at soundonsite.org where you can let us know what you thought of the week's TV and uh, and what maybe what's, what's headed our way in January. You can send us an email, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook, uh, start, start up a conversation over there. You can also find us on iTunes where we have an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. And, of course, you can both reach both of us on Twitter. I am at the Televerse, and Simon, you are? At Sucker Howl. And what is our question of the week? Oh, let's keep it simple. Uh, what are you most anxious to have back? And Next why? Year? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, your discussion of uh, the necessity of comedy in a series like Kingdom uh, just immediately took me to Justified. And how did everybody not learn that lesson from the first season of Justified, if not the second or third or f fourth or fifth? Uh, so I'm going to say Justified. I really Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, man. There's nothing that I need more from 2015 than or, than for Justified's final season to rebound. It is the thing I've I've my all everything is crossed. I just I need that so much to to see it plummet from like oh, and we may as well plug our top 30 list at uh, Sound On Sight again, the staff wide TV top 30. But to see it plunge from like probably fifth or sixth position last year to like 60th was yep. So depressing. And there was even some good stuff in that season, but just not even close. Just not even in the conversation for all but two of our contributors, I think it was. Uh, yeah, definitely. And it's a show we both love. So we really want it to end well. Uh, so yeah, if, wishes, uh, if wishes, wishing can make it happen, <laughs> Justified will have an amazing last season. And for new material, I'll throw some love to Galavan like I did uh, the, in our... Uh, start of year preview. Um, I'm very excited about that one. Only eight episodes. Hopefully 
they are all as awesome as or all as likable and entertaining as the pilot will be when y'all see it so yeah. uh that's my pick all right for, for new stuff i'll throw in i don't know exactly when it's happening but i'll throw in uh, wolf hall on bbc mm. uh I've read I've I've read the book. It's the f- the first time that's happened in a long time, um, and I'm I'm expecting that to be, uh, if nothing else, just uh, really really solid. That's sort of like I can't really imagine with that cast and that material how they could possibly fuck that up. I don't expect it to be like top ten Zomg, uh, you know, etc. Other crude things I just thought of. Um, just I expect it to be really solidly entertaining and just not. I, again, how could they? How could they mess that up? Please don't mess well, that up. <laughs> fingers crossed. Uh, well, I look forward to hearing what everybody else has to say. What their picks are. Uh, but for now, let's take a break and come back with Depayans and Gupta from Sound on Sight to talk about three of our favorite holiday episodes, our Christ- favorite Christmas episodes. We'll be right back after this. If the Lord were alive today, what would you give him this Christmas? What do you give someone who has everything and more? He can heal the sick, so don't give him an aspirin. He can walk on water, don't give him more support. Every time you hear a bell, an angel burns in hell. If the Lord were alive today, what would you give him this Christmas? Give them a twenty dollar gift certificate at Pizza Joe's. Merry Christmas from Pizza Joe's. We're back with the Televerse this week on the DVD shelf. We're doing something a little, uh, a little different than usual, and I feel like that's the new norm for us here. But I'm okay with it because we're going seasonal. And we're having the first of what I hope will be a recurring segment. Um, and that's what we're going to call the Holiday Omnibus. And this year, helping us with that is Depayan Sengupta. Depayan, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Of course, I should have said this earlier from Sound on Sight, assistant TV editor, guy who runs like half half of everything, if not more than that, at Sound on Sight I, TV. I believe it's assistant to the TV editor. Assistant to the TV editor, something like that. Uh, and uh, we're very glad to have you back, Depayan. This week we will be doing uh, a holiday omnibus which means we're each going to pick one holiday episode uh so christmas hanukkah winter solstice holiday <laughs> and and uh, make each other watch them and talk about it so what came to mind for you to pine first when 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 thrown this challenge well uh as as someone who's not really a lot of a who's really not a big Christmas person, the kind of Christmas episodes I've enjoyed the best are the, are the stuff that has focused on, on, uh, issued the, on the natural, like Christmas tradition kind of things in favor of focusing on the importance of family and, and being, uh, you know, being together during the holidays, kind of good feelings, good vibes kind of thing. Uh, the, the first, the first episode that popped to mind when I thought of all that was the season two episode of Chuck, uh, the episode 11, which was titled Chuck versus Santa Claus. Uh, followed briefly by uh, the community episode, which whose name I forget, it was a uh, season I forget right now, but it was uh, the stop motion episode of Abed. But mm-hmm. uh, for me, the Chuck episode wins out pretty clearly in that in that sense that it's the it's the Christmas episode that I've enjoyed the most out of all the ones that I've seen. Yeah, I, I remembered. We well, as soon as you mentioned it, I remembered the episode. I didn't remember the specifics, but going back and rewatching it uh, was was really a lot of fun for me. Uh, now, of course, we have done a Chuck DVD shelf um, right after Chuck ended. Uh, Simon, had you seen this episode previously? 
you know, I'm sure that I have or had, uh, given that I definitely chugged my way through the first couple seasons of Chuck, uh, quite rapidly at some nebulous point in the mid 2000s when I desperately needed to escape from my life. But anyway, so at some point in there, this definitely existed and I definitely watched it, but I had absolutely no recollection of it. Uh, take from that what you will. Also, Depine, for what it's worth, I'm very glad you didn't choose the community Christmas episode because I'm not a fan of that one. And we would have argued and that's very unseasonal or very seasonal, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, but I find it strange that you emphasize how this episode is about family and togetherness and all those warm, fuzzy Christmas things, because it's also about a bunch of other things that aren't as fuzzy. But, you know, that does feel very seasonal to me and it feels very appropriate. And um, and we'll get into that. We, we all have really entertaining and maybe in some ways unconventional picks, uh, Simon, most of all. But uh, we'll get we'll get there. Um, this episode, not only does it have the holiday stuff. You know where it's it's uh, Christmas at the Bymore. It's the day before Christmas, I should say. It's Christmas Eve, and uh, and so we get the the marketing and the commercialism of Christmas there at the beginning, which is a lot of fun. It's an extended diehard spoof for parts of it, which is a fun as one of my very favorite holiday uh, Christmas movies, Die Hard, um, and and then we also get the warm and fuzzies. And then it's undercut as well. So it's, it's a lot of different elements of, of, uh, you know, holiday programming, um, in this episode. So I think it's an excellent pick. Uh, Depayne, what stood out to you this time? Well, for me this time, the thing that really stood out was it feels a lot, even though the title, even though the show is called Chuck and the episode has Chuck's name in the title, the episode feels a lot uh, more like Sarah's story than it does feel like Chuck's story. I mean, Chuck's there and he's doing his usual heroics and, and all of that. But uh, to me, the the character that seemed to grow the most from the beginning to the end was Sarah, which was something I hadn't noticed before. Well, I was uh, really taken by what, as I watched this. And I remembered that element of it from uh, my first viewing. But uh, first of all, I, it's, I haven't seen any Chuck since the show had its finale. And I really liked the finale and it was, it was so much fun doing that DVD shelf, but I haven't revisited the series until this moment. And for my immediate first thought was how seamlessly I fell right back into that world. And with the, you know, the opening scene in the buy more parking lot, but then especially the first scene with Chuck and Sarah, Zach Levi, I underestimated just how good he is in this role as Chuck, you know, with some distance because that that likable lead, that's it, I think I think it's easy to underrate that, and I think uh, he's right. he's so good, especially to see season two Chuck where he's got the terrible hair and he's so gawky. Oh god, that hair is awful. You know what? Can I can I defend most of the hair? I think most of the hair is fine. It's that back action. There's just too much of it. The front is okay. Yeah, I'm not big on the the sides is either but um but but he does the because of course this is before chuck has the super spy thing going on um but yeah you're right this is still intersect 1.0 this is inter- intersect 1.0 um but you're right a lot of this is very much uh sarah's story and i remember watching this as it aired because this was the first time we saw anybody really get killed certainly in a moment where they didn't need to be where they weren't actively attacking. This was a big change for the show. And and I think the episode really sells that moment. It gives it the weight it deserves. Even just revisiting it, I was struck by how powerful of a moment this, you know, Ch- uh, Sarah's execution of the threat was. And even more than that, I was struck by how 
how intelligent a move it was to cast Michael Rooker in that pivotal role. Well, as, as soon as you see Michael Rooker in the credits, uh, and you're right, it, it's great. It's really great casting. Uh, you kind of know to expect something from that character that is not necessarily obvious. But I like that we had that from not one, not only one, but two characters. And I don't know, watching this episode made me, made me remember what I, why I liked Chuck in the early years before it just got way too wooly for its own good and sort of lost track of any sense of stakes or, uh, or, or I guess, uh, Back when it, it it had a sense of of how to balance twistiness and uh, danger with fun before that balance got all a wacky. Okay, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, it does. I mean, because the first two seasons really focus on the buy more as well as Chuck and Sarah and the intersect, and and in the later seasons they sort of moved further and further away from the buy more, especially when Chuck pretty much quit that job, or I think he owned the buy more at some point, or there there was. But but no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Season two had that. Out of all the seasons of the show, season two had the best balance of buy more and spy life. Well, and we get to have fun with the ensemble cast as well. And what it's what's great to see in an episode that is, in many parts of it, very much a, a diehard uh, spoof. Yeah, you know, I love some of the casting in there, stunt casting in there. But um, to have that strong recurring thread from Ellie and awesome because Ellie is a character. It's so easy to get wrong on a show like this. And Sarah Lancaster is again, such great casting. She's so good in that role because she's the wet towel, wet blanket saying, don't be a hero. Don't do anything. Why aren't you home? She's her job basically is to worry and to cause problems for Chuck, but she's so, uh, she just, grabs her heart she's so believable so earnest and um yet so likable in that role that i I love when she's telling uh awesome and she says it a few times people say it a few times in the episode no being a hero is making sure you're safe to come home to your family and it's great to get that counterpoint in a show that's basically an action adventure show yeah, it's true. The, the, the Chuck Ellie relationship is one of the more underrated aspects of the show, and it really comes through in this episode as well. Uh, it's it, well, it's not really a central focus, but you know, considering the the minute that Chuck finds out, the the minute that Rooker reveals the Fulcrum plans for Chuck, the fact that his first thought goes to Ellie instead of to Sarah really speaks volumes for how well the show actually handles character relationships. Yeah. I also got to give a shout out to some of the comedy. First of all, just the the sight gag, having them all in elf outfits. It's an easy laugh, but I don't care. It works for me. Um, also, uh, as soon as uh, Tony Hale's character gets outside, going straight into the sales pitch. Also, it's an easy joke, but I don't care. It worked on me. I can't be the only person who completely forgot Tony Hale was on this show. It was sort of a, oh, yeah, that's right, for seasons, and I loved it uh, moment for me. Uh, so I was I was very uh, glad to have this be one of his episodes. Can we talk for a moment about the fact that the, 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 the one of the villains, I guess, name is Ned Ryerson? What other show <laughs> names one of the characters Ned Ryerson? Well, presumably that's not his real name. I'm just saying. Groundhog's <laughs> Day. Come on. Another another oh, fabulous. I, I, did you I not make that connection? that connection? No, sorry. Oh, come on. Yeah. I, I didn't, but it's been years since I saw Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day, but that's a very good point. Well, and it's a no- nice little shout out to another holiday movie. Uh, which holiday would that be? 
Christ. Groundhog Day? No. Is, is Groundhog Day a real holiday? No, but isn't there... I'm remembering snow. I'm remembering it being kind of Christmassy, even though it's Groundhog's Day. Uh, I mean, it has... Yeah, eh. No. It's no? just Groundhog Day. Okay. It's been a while. I mean, Groundhog, Groundhog's Day is, is like a Christmas movie in spirit, you can say, because it's about a grumpy guy who learns to, uh, who learns to be thankful for... Well, not thankful. Who learns to be nice sir. and put others above himself, and yeah. and you know, yes. yeah, it's, it's very much a Christmas movie in spirit. Now that you mention it, yes, I am correct. Ah, <laughs> and yes, <laughs> yes, in a way, in a way that I feel comfortable with, though nowhere near as comfortable as the Die Hard references. There are a lot of really fun scoring references to Die Hard in there as well. Obviously, the use of Ode to Joy or Beethoven's uh, Ninth symphony in there in the scoring as well as a few other uh entertaining little scoring tidbits for those who like myself have watched die hard and analyzed the scoring because why wouldn't you because why wouldn't you watch die hard enough times that you were able to do that uh, do we have any other uh any other thoughts about this episode uh, well it's actually speaking of die hard uh, considering that they have reginald Ville johnson just you know play a sergeant al powell in burbank close to la i think I, I can pretty comfortable. I'm pretty comfortable saying that it's set in the Die Hard universe. Mm-hmm. So that means Chuck so, is in the Die Hard universe. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Which means John McClane and Chuck Bartowski are, are both part of the same universe, and the, you know, uh, McClane's the lower level, uh, the lower level uh, police officer, and and Bartowski's the higher level CIA guy. <laughs> Wait a minute! Didn't we decide that all universes, including our own, were already connected anyway? Well, I don't know if these are connected as part of the Whitefall universe or not, but uh, I'll have to to look at the map, go to that that website that you know lists them all, because we have established that our universe is the Tommy Whitefall universe, but I don't know whether Chuck and uh, Die Hard are in that, so we'll have to get back to you, or maybe our listeners can can cue us in with that. But when we're talking about the Tommy Whitefall universe, I think it means that it's time to move on to our our next episode. Uh, so, uh, I guess the last thing I'll say here is that that moment with Sarah works just as well as it's supposed to, I think. And I love that they undercut their holiday episode with a m- note of uncertainty, which is unusual for holiday episodes, I would say. Well, and you, you mentioned the Die Hard connection a-, a few times, and this shares with Die Hard the fact that this could have just as easily not been a Christmas episode. Like, it, it adds things, it adds humor, it adds certain situational stuff. Um, but you could have, they could have just as easily have done all these plot beats in a non-seasonal episode, which really strengthens the diehard connection of, it didn't need to be set at Christmas, but it's cool that it is. Well, disagree on that to be continued at a future movie podcast, but, um, let's move on to our next episode, which is Supernatural's A Very Supernatural Christmas. And this was my pick, uh, because I, I wanted to do something that was, uh, fitting of the season and was a fun episode, but didn't fall squarely into our expectations for what a holiday episode needs to be. And um, also it just had been quite a while since I saw it. So uh, I'll start uh, because Depayan, have you seen Supernatural? I feel like you've seen Supernatural that season. Yes, I have. Yes. Um, I've I've, I've been watching it since the beginning. I followed Jensen Ackles over from Smallville and I've, I've actually been there since the start. Okay. Well, and you've been reviewing it for us at Sound on Sight regularly as well. Yeah, I have. So I'm going to go to Simon first and say, uh, had you seen this one? I think I know the answer here because um, the first episode you saw was fan fiction. So unless you've done a secret marathon without us knowing, this is your first time watching this episode? Correct. And what did you think? 
Uh, I think it's fun. I mean, there's aspects of the episode that I just don't get to enjoy or get nothing out of because it's, I'm just dropping in. So the stuff with them as kids, uh, you know, all the references to their father and their abs, their absent, their absent parents, uh, sad Batman. Um, <laughs> that stuff I'm sort of missing out on and some other references thrown around here and there that would probably land more if I'd watched what was, what was, you know, uh, what had come before. Also the whole thing about, Oh, it's our last Christmas because you'll be dead soon. I don't know what that's about, uh, and I assume that pays off later, but I also know that there's like eight more seasons after that, so I couldn't really take that too seriously. Beyond that, there's definitely some stuff to enjoy. <laughs> well, we're going to keep it spoiler-free for now, at least, because there's no reason to explain what's up with that, other than there are significant stakes and significant payoff and uh, consequences, shall we say, for the fact that there is still seven more seasons after this episode. Um but yeah, I had forgotten just how much of this episode is flashback. And I'm curious if that was the same for you, Defiant. But I do say, I gotta say, I love the notion that this episode goes to of their dad being Santa, basically. And do you believe in the figure you can't see? This is a show that loves to do um, the God, capital G, as father. It's a theme that comes back over and over again, particularly in the early seasons with their father, but then even later with Cass. Uh, Depayan, uh were you surprised by just how much flashback we got? Or did you remember that part strongly? I actually remembered the flashback part more than the present day part, mostly because of the amulet that, mostly because the amulet presentation at the end is, for me, one of the highlights of this, of the show as a whole. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, I did remember the flashbacks, uh, but it's, it's, you know, still, it's, it's nice to see because it's episodes like that and flashbacks like that that really helped develop the bond for the trials that the brothers went through in, in subsequent seasons as well. And, and just, it's, you know, it's it's a nice thing to see that amulet presentation because that does pay off later on uh, in in a subsequent season. Uh, no spoilers. Well, even Simon knows about the amulet because that was it mentioned several times in the other episode he's watched. Oh, that's true. Oh, you did see fan fiction, yes. So you should know about the amulet. I, I I do feel gypped though that that's now two episodes where I've been robbed of Jim Beaver. Yeah, he gets a lot of uh, shout-outs in both of these two episodes. Um, and again, I, all I can think is that I'm going to have to finally pick Supernatural as as the next Make You Watch-a-thon. Because there's some really great Jim Beaver stuff in Supernatural. Because when you, you, you have him on your show long enough, you're going to get great Jim Beaver stuff. I'm actually surprised that Simon hasn't seen, uh, hasn't seen Supernatural because he did exclaim balls several times while trying to get you back earlier on. <laughs> on the fun technical difficulties. Yeah, I, I do think that parts of it are would be very much in, in fitting with, with uh, your personality, Simon. But who knows for a future podcast. For now, uh, Define, you said that you remember the flashback stuff more than the present day. Uh, how did how did that sequence work for you? Because the part that I remember the most um, is always the fingernail. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the present day sequence does work. But for me, the, the real, uh, you know, the, the real pre- the stuff that works in the present day, that, that really does work in the present day is the... Um, is is the final shot that where they pan out and you, and you see you know where they include the car as well for me the, the flashbacks have always been the highlight of the episode and just sort of revisiting it 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 stuck with that uh, yeah. i i don't know what that says about how invested i am in the plot versus the brothers or mm. something like that but it and and i also actually do appreciate that they did include the car in in the final shot as well because the car is very much a part of the family as much as the brothers are yeah, like the show has said, the the car that car is their home 
And so to include it in the shot is a nice touch for, I'm sure again, Simon, this is nothing that would mean almost nothing to you, not having seen more of the show. Uh, what would you say are the parts that, that were most successful that you, you got a kick out of? Um, I mean, obviously I'm a sucker for a good torture sequence, especially a, a holiday torture sequence. I think for a lot of people visiting their in-laws and things like that, I think that will have some resonance. Uh, whether or not it'll be, uh, you know, fin- fingernail pullingly bad. Uh, not the best fingernail pulling effects I've seen, by the way, but not bad. Especially uh, for seven years ago on at, on the CW. On the CW uh, well, on the WB at the time. Oh, that you're right. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely gnarlier than I was expecting. So well done. Also gnarlier than I was expecting the several sequences of small children watching parents get broken on their way up the chimney. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty great cult open. Just Santa. <laughs> so I, I, I enjoy that element of it as well uh i get a real uh i get a real hoot out of the the pagan gods shall we say um i i I really like those two performances and uh there there are a lot of just the you know the i I really enjoy a lot of the the shout outs um at different points the um the drunk santa is fun for me the uh the just the various comments on commercialism for the holidays and these other you know that you know, the, the people pay so much ridiculous amounts of money for this crap, like that kind of stuff. I always enjoy, especially there's a few good um, rejoinders in that vein from Dean in this episode that are fun. Uh, the the other big thing that struck me with this in going back and again with Supernatural still being on the air now, and me watching, you know, seeing seeing the two leads now to go back and watch these earlier episodes seven years ago. They look so young, and especially Sam with his floppy hair when they're pretending to be FBI agents. I'm like, oh, well, honey. How could anyone ever believe you? <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, his hair is even floppier now, and he still tries to pull off the FBI agent stick. Yeah, but at least he doesn't look like a child. That That's is true. true. Uh, I have to say that now that I've seen, especially uh, them younger, uh, you know, when we when we get to those scenes near the end of the episode where it's just them bro- having a having like the broiest Christmas ever, um, it's broiest but also saddest. Uh, I totally now understand where the slash fiction comes from. Oh yeah, because, because this just—it's it, how could you not? I mean, if you were—if you were so inclined, I—I'm not so inclined, but it's just—it's there. It's—it's it's all there. So two episodes. Two is the number of episodes it takes for to you get to, the, to get on board with Wincest. Uh, I didn't say no. Not on board. I'm saying I—I I, is it mm, empathy isn't quite right. Uh. I'm just going to plead the fifth on this one. You see what they're saying. So it takes two episodes to see what they're saying. It probably takes three episodes to get on board. (laughs) uh, Maybe. Maybe. You know what? Maybe. Who knows? Maybe that's just where my life is now. (laughs) Well, do we have any other uh, thoughts about uh, this episode, or shall we move on? Uh, I think we can move on unless, Dupin, you got something. Uh, unless my minor quibble about the monsters being very easy to vanquish are there, but that's probably present in about half of the supernatural episodes. It doesn't really separate this one. It's just they just they just happen to find the right kind of tree in their home, and then you'd question why why these creatures would have that the kind of tree that can kill them right in their home, and so on and so on. And yeah, hmm. well, they, I actually thought of that too. Well, they are the show is uh, consistent with um, stakes of a particular wood. Uh, vanquishing pagan gods, which would also be 
uh, again, the two episodes you've seen, Simon, also, we had uh, a muse, another god, being killed with a, just the right kind of wood stake. Um, and, you know, that doesn't, I, I, again, I see what you guys are saying with that because it should bother me, but I think it doesn't right. because the just the 50s, you know, gosh, gee willikers of it all and, and with the, um, the Mrs. Uh, creepy pagan God being so particular about her decorations, I guess it worked for me. The, uh, the last, the actual last thing I wanted to add is, I don't know if this is a, a staple throughout the whole show, but in both, ep- it, at, at least from what I remember, and certainly in this episode, it creeps me out that when they kill the pagan gods, at no point do they ever appear anything other than human. Mm. So if you were just like walking around and saw what happened, you would just think they home invaded some some poor couple and just m- murdered them in their home. That, that, that comes up. Yeah, yeah it actually does. Okay. Okay. It actually does come up in a big way. Uh, I believe later on in this very season. Yeah, in fact. and it came up this season and season ten uh, as well with a recurring figure, Cole. Um, who's like, you straight up murdered my dad. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, and because I was watching it thinking thinking that as well, thinking, well, there is a bunch of forensic evidence here with their fingerprints uh, and two very dead bodies. So uh, the friend is going to say, I was just there. I dropped up a, dropped off a fruitcake and then they were slaughtered. <laughs> <laughs> they probably even think they stepped on the fruitcake. Yeah, prob- they would probably assume that the, the evil killers had destroyed their fruitcake as well Entirely as killed their likely. friends. Yes, yeah, certainly. That just proves how much of monsters they are, that they destroyed fruitcake. Too. On Christmas. Yeah. You know what? I fully support the destruction of fruitcake. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, uh, let's, uh, on, on that note, on the destruction of fruitcake, let's go to the destruction of hope and childlike wonder uh, and belief in anything, which is the, the moral oral episode. I believe my first moral oral, maybe my second or third, I think I I might have seen a couple or if not, I've definitely seen clips, but I feel like why would I have seen a clip of a 10 minute show and not just a 10 minute show? This is the best Christmas ever. Simon, this was your pick. So I think I know how you feel about it. Depayan, what do you think? Is this the best Christmas ever? It's actually a pretty fun episode. I mean, I mean, considering it's my first exposure to moral oral, I did, I did laugh at quite a bit and it's, uh, I I have faintly heard of the show, uh, but uh, no, I, I did quite enjoy it. And uh, you know, as as far as it making me want to watch more of the show, it it achieved that purpose. As far as Christmas cheer, yes, sort of. <laughs> I I feel I need to do some table setting for this one, uh, because I I I, I apparently I'm the only person who's seen more than I mean I have, I'm not sure if I've seen the show's entire run, but I've seen a lot of it. Uh, and this was created by Dino Stamatopoulos, who everyone will know as Starburns on Community, but he's actually got one of the most illustrious writing careers of any comedy figure uh, of, of the last 30 years on television. It's just insane. Just look it up. And uh, so this ran for three years on Adult Swim. And uh, this episode is the season one finale. And it sort of launches, as you can probably guess from the end of the episode, uh, it sort of launches you into a new and darker plateau for an already fairly dark show. And every season did different things in different ways and went to different places. And uh, in this first season, things are st- there's still quite a lot of sort of parody elements and wacky voices and sort of over-the-top satire, which kind of gets toned down over time for in favor of more sort of character-based dark humor. Um, 
but uh, I think personally, what I like about this episode is uh, it has it finds a nice balance of those elements, sort of presaging where the show is going later, uh, without going too over the top with it. And then in the middle, you get kind of you get a glimpse of just how dark the series is willing to go with that series of silent shots yep. of Oral's mom. And Kate, I need to get your take on how you felt when that happened. Oh, I thought that was wonderful. Uh, <laughs> that was great. I was like, I, yeah, they're just, and like the, the dark circle under her eye and the tear. Yeah. I was just like, I, I, well, and I particularly noted in that moment the utter lack of scoring. It's just silent. It's just a still shot. And when you have stop motion, that's, that's so rare because it's all about trying to not, not emphasize the fact that it's not moving, uh, but it's so poignant and uh, just gutting. Yeah, I thought it was great. Good. Uh, any Anyone have any, any other thoughts on their first exposure to this show? Uh, I have to, to butt in with the question. How could anyone not think that was great? Okay, I'm, just, I'm just checking. Okay. Well, the thing is, the thing is like that. The reason I wanted to, because I, 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 I've thought about throwing it in for a make you watch a thon, partially to make myself watch the third, the third season, which I don't think I've really caught any of. And what I've read about it seems fascinating. Um, but, uh, it's, there is absolutely nothing like it in the history of Adult Swim or any other channel because it, it has this mix of, it, it feels very intensely personal, but it also has this, these over the top, uh, parody and satire elements, and it's kind of a coming-of-age story, but it's also the story of this really fucked-up town, and it's claymation, <laughs> and it's uh, it's just it's got a lot going on. And th- there are times, especially in in that in this first season, where it gets a little, kind of didactic, but uh, I think that lessens over time. And uh, I- I'm also curious to see uh, sort of how how time has treated it. So perhaps we will return to this, to this subject one day, but uh, any, any thoughts on its, on its treatment of Christmas? I thought, I mean, I thought it was great. I, thought I, uh, I, you know, just a gag, like the one uh, moral oral or oral, I should just say it, it, like a squeeze as far as he can to one side of the car while his brother shapey is being just a terror next to him. Do what your brother wants so that he'll stop making noise. I mean, I, that's hilarious. And I feel like everybody who has a sibling has felt like that was what was happening in their mm-hmm. life at some point. I'm sure it's not actually a accurate representation, but it felt like it. Um, so that was delightful. I mean, just the Christmas Carol that keeps coming back. That is just a commercial. Uh, and, and when it comes back at the very end and we have like the, the, uh, you know, stereotypical group of carolers in like, you know, all bundled up with their caroling books. And then they they sing the jingle, um, and they end with the you know buy the pizza or whatever at Pizza Joe's or whatever the the place is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I thought that was just absolutely hilarious. And um, I mean, even just the ending shot, just he's so certain, and that's what makes the ending shot so perfect for me. Uh, Depayan, any other thoughts on on Moral Laurel? Uh, no, I, I, you you pretty much uh, covered it. Uh, only the only thing I can add is that at the beginning, what seemed like a group of protesters in front of a in front of a movie theater, just singing along with the carols, sort of that that was the moment that pretty much sold me on the show on the on the episode, and you know that that was kind of the moment where I completely came on board with it. Nice, fantastic. Well. Hopefully, I've done my my uh, my Christmas bidding. Just to, to link it to the other episodes, we do have. I think they all featured some element of commercialization of Christmas. 
they do they all feature uh light or otherwise mocking of religious aspects of the holiday because in this one we get uh oral gleefully bashing a uh um manger thank you we have him gleefully bashing a manger in an attempt to better serve jesus yeah well and they also all have a very strong thread of um painful memories or disappointment at the holidays so they have they all feature characters trying to imbue themselves and those around they love with uh, the joy of the season, the joy that it can bring, and others who uh, are just in a, a completely negative headspace and who just are dealing with shit's too real. They just they can't handle Christmas right now. Um, and so I, you know, I thought that was a nice, fun thread as well. Yeah, and th- specifically, these last two both feature uh, Christmas mornings from hell. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, if not several. Yeah. And and there's also you know which which for me is really makes a successful Christmas uh, episode and and which runs through all which runs through pretty much all these three shows is that there is no real sense that either perspective is is really wrong like overwhelming joy at Christmas or a certain level of scrooginess it doesn't present either viewpoint as really wrong it just sort of more focuses on why people feel that way which is I, I think also an important aspect to make a successful Christmas episode. Well, and, and none of them have any sense that it's going to be better tomorrow. No, <laughs> absolutely not. They're just like, yeah, uh, the most optimistic we get is Supernatural, which is like, yeah, well, yeah, well, you're screwed. But uh, you know what? Let's we get can drunk. En- we can enjoy this moment and let's, uh, the, the feels are too strong. Let's shut up and watch the game. Because <laughs> if we actually think about what's going to happen, we'll start sobbing. Uh, so you know, there's the I I find it entertaining that we all we came up with these episodes individually, and yet there are so many thematic ties. I don't know what it says about us, but uh, I've had fun watching these episodes. Yay! <laughs> uh, I I should note that ultimately this is that's not really a spoiler, but the actual end of Moral Oral is hopeful. So it eventually does have an upside sort of well, and i would say the same is true about chuck and uh when supernatural eventually ends i am <laughs> i i would assume it seems to me like it will end with a grim but vaguely we're gonna keep on keeping on kind of ending it's the kind i don't of really see how they could do like. anything else yeah Yep. Um, I'd, I I would want to say what I think is going to be the ending, but I fear I'm going to spoil it for Simon, so I will just uh, stay quiet. Or no, well, Simon actually knows about Adam. As, yeah. Based on fan fiction, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping the final of the uh, the the series finale is just zooming back to Adam, going, "God damn it, people! <laughs> I've been in hell forever." <laughs> Seriously, come on. A summer like, was even... forty years. <laughs> For for Dean, come on. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, or like one of the brothers dies, but the other bravely soldiers on. I don't know, something like that. It just seems about right for Supernatural. But um, on that on that cheery note of uh, depressing grim realities, uh, let's call an end to our first holiday omnibus. Uh, Depayan, thank you so much for coming on uh, the podcast to help us look at a few uh, holiday episodes. Where can our listeners find you and your work online? 
Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Dean Ipe and mostly on Sound on Sight in the TV section where I am currently doing um, episode reviews of The Affair as well as drop-in reviews for The Aforementioned Supernatural, Person of Interest, uh, and Jane the Virgin. You're, you're making me look bad. You're doing too much writing. I'm, I'm making you look bad. Just don't. Just don't. How, how is how is that even possible? I need to do more writing. Uh, but on that note, we should uh, I'll mention here that there are uh, we do have Sound on Sight's top thirty TV shows list is up at soundonsight.org where you can see what our uh, we we any any Sound on Sight contributors who had shows who had 15, 10 to 15 shows that they thought were the best of the year was able to contribute. So we have a site wide list and I think it's a pretty great one. So you guys can check that out there. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week to talk about uh, our uh, Simon and my uh, top 20 of the year. So uh, from here on out, it's going to be best of lots of listing in the next few weeks, guys. And then we'll be back in January uh, with uh, with business as usual, as well as our our 2015 preview. It's gonna be, if by business as usual you mean us dying, us dying of mid season, yeah, that's gonna happen. That's oh my god, definitely gonna happen. But for now, uh, I, I I toast our listeners with some eggnog and uh, hope you guys have enjoyed this conversation. And I look forward to hearing uh, from our listeners what their favorite holiday episodes are, and uh, hopefully. Uh, Depine, you'll come back next year to help us pick a few more. But uh... I'm I'm just glad you invited me back again after that good family review. <laughs> it's not your fault. I hated it. <laughs> just to be clear, I was in the woods when that happened, and I saw that go up. I was like, "What the fuck was he thinking?" <laughs> hey, hey! It was an interesting conversation, and those who don't know what we're talking about, apparently including Simon, should go back and listen to it at the DVD shelf library. But for- oh no, I'll happily listen to it. I just won't watch the show. <laughs> but for now. Uh, we've already gone mega long. I'm going to cut, cut it off here and say thank you to Pine for coming back on the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.